Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Fundamentally, what does our church need from us? What do we need from each other? We need a lot of things, but this, this is, I think, a neglected and yet essential component of gospel partnership is prayer. Prayer specifically for one another. And we're going to draw some, some correlations, not just between the people in this room, but the people in your home, but with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends in Christ. And so here's the main idea today. We need more prayer for more love with more wisdom. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Prayer may be one of the most neglected or misused gifts that God has given to the church. We frequently tell others that we'll pray for them, and we intend to. But then we completely forget, and then it becomes simply a way of expressing sympathy. We also misuse it by praying in a way that fails to acknowledge God's will and only requests that He conform to ours. Today's message with Pastor Ricky will lay out a beautiful model for how we can successfully and effectively be people of prayer in the church. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message, Praying for What We Really Need, from the book of Philippians, chapter one. So we've been talking about gospel partnership, and Paul opens the letter by thanking God for the partnership in the gospel that he has with this church. Now, Paul and this church in Philippi, they're very different. They're from different places. They have different backgrounds, and yet they've been brought together by the same experience. They've been brought together because they have encountered Jesus. Paul encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, former persecutor of the church turned missionary of the church. He brings the gospel to Philippi, and there these people encounter Jesus too. And so they're they're kind of bonded together in partnership by this experience. Experience. And so Paul thanks God for that, and he expresses his affection for the church because gospel partnership creates gospel affection. Because you love that person, and they love you because you both love Jesus. Now, this last week at our community group, we got to hear again how radical it was that they were sitting in a room talking about Jesus when years ago that would have been the last thing they would do. Uh, Some of the newer folks to the group even shared and shared um, how they'd come to know Jesus or big moments where they'd seen the grace of God. And honestly, guys, it was amazing because you could just feel on this sort of visceral, spiritual level, the hearts of the group getting knit together as we all shared different stories, but it was all the same story, right? It was all the story of how we had encountered Jesus on the way to do something else. And he stopped us and turned him to himself. It was awesome. That is, friends, that is gospel partnership. And so that's what we've been talking about. And today we're gonna hit one more aspect of gospel partnership. And it's one that I have to admit surprised me. Here's what I'm gonna want you to do. Mentally, you don't have to do this out loud, mentally fill in the blank that I'm, I'm gonna share. So if you're a gospel partner, then you What? What does it look like to be a gospel partner? What do gospel partners do? If you were to make a list of all the things that you're supposed to check off if you're a true gospel partner with others, what would be on that list, right? If you're a gospel partner, then you 
use your gifts to serve in the church, maybe. Or if you're a gospel partner, you get involved in fellowship or in community group. If you're a gospel partner, then you learn how to share the gospel. Now, these are all good things. I'm not saying none of these are gospel partnerships. They are. Um, And many, many good things we could add to this list. But I have to admit, you could have left me here for a long time filling in that blank of gospel partnership, and I would not have ever arrived at what Paul is about to model for us in these verses. So let's read this together. We're going to start in verse 3, and the verses we're covering today are verses 9 through 11. Philippians 1, this is God's holy and authoritative word. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you are a gospel partner, you pray. You pray, right? I could have filled out that list for a long time and I maybe would have remembered, oh, that's right, prayer, Right? It's often not at the top of our priority list. If you came up with a, a sort of checklist for new people when they become believers and get knitted into the church, like, okay, here's what you do. You, you should find a place to serve. You got to find some fellowship, maybe some accountability. You got to do this. We want to get you doing this. We got to learn how to share your faith. And Paul says, that, that's good. Yes, amen. But Paul models something here uniquely compelling. For him, prayer is one of the core components of gospel partnership that he is modeling here. See, Paul is about to get in kind of the, into the body of this letter. He's gonna start exhorting and encouraging and telling the church to do things. But before he does that, he prays. He shares his prayer for them. Before he goes to work on the church, in a sense, he prays for Christ to work in the church, right? Before he goes to work, he asks that God can do the work that only God can do. Fundamentally, what does our church need from us? What do we need from each other? We need a lot of things, but this this is, I think, a neglected and yet essential component of gospel partnership is prayer, Prayer specifically for one another. And we're going to draw some, some correlations, not just between the people in this room, but the people in your home, but with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends in Christ. And so here's the main idea today. We need more prayer for more love with more wisdom. Okay, we need more prayer for more love with more wisdom. That's what Paul's example shows us. So first point, more prayer. 
Now, Paul says at the beginning that he is constantly praying for this church. And that's not just because Paul has like a checklist of apostolic duties. Like, okay, write a letter, check. Pray for the church, check. You know, send somebody to check in, check. No, he's not just checking this off. This is flowing out of his love for the church. It naturally overflows. So the way you could think of the last three weeks of messages is the gospel creates gospel partnership and that sort of overflows into gospel affection and that overflows into prayer, right? This is, this is kind of what Paul is modeling for us. If we truly love our gospel partners, we will pray for them. Charles Spurgeon says this, that no man can do me a truer kindness in this world than to pray for me, right? Paul will exhort the church to love one another and serve one another, right? He's gonna exhort them about things that they need to do and he can provide them some instruction, but Paul is aware that there is so much that he cannot do for them that only God can do for them. And if you look at, okay, Paul was one of the most capable men who ever lived, right? One of the most effective missionaries of Christian history. And yet his limb, and he's probably one of the greatest thinkers in in civilization. And yet he quickly is gonna reach the limit of what he can do for this church. And yet he sees they need all of this. And so that's why he prays. He prays for them. He does what only, he asks God to do what only God can do. So here's the really simple, really basic application. Do you ever pray for your gospel partners, right? And here, there's lots of different ways to think about this and apply this, right? Obviously, if you're married and your spouse is a believer, the closest gospel partner, in a sense, you have is your spouse. Do you, do you pray for your spouse, right? And for your family, do you, do you pray? That's probably the, the most immediate place of partnership, in a sense, do you pray for Christian friends you have in the church? Do you pray for your community group or teams that you're involved in? Do you pray for the church as a whole? If you support missionaries or people that are they're doing global missions work, do you pray for them? Do you think about other churches? Do you pray for your gospel partners? Often, I think sometimes we, we can, especially in our culture, we can make prayer sort of the, um, the, the like, oh, I'll, I'll do that where a missionary friend will send a letter and say, hey, and they always are gracious and say, you know, uh, just here's an update. And just as you're led, you could, you could either give or you could pray or, or give, you know? And, and you think, well, or pray. I could, I could pray, you know? And, and so it can become kind of like, well, if you're really not gonna really help, you could just pray. That's fine, you know? At least, the least you could do is say a prayer. I mean, and, and so we kind of lower it to that level. Uh, you're not going. Now, I'm not saying you should not go. You should not give. I'm not saying that at all. But, but Paul sees prayer up here, right? He, he says, look, I'm going to do what I can do, but there's a ton of stuff that only God can do, right? If you're married, there is a ton of stuff that your spouse needs that you cannot do for them. And all of our sometimes well-meaning efforts to like get in there and like fix them, like are not as helpful as doing what we can do and then asking God to do what only he could do. Same with our kids, same with our group, same with our church. This is what Paul is modeling here for us. And Paul prays carefully and consistently for them. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So he's praying prayers of thanksgiving always in every prayer of mine. And then he shares, I thank God for you. And then this is what I pray for you. So 
the, the picture here is this beautiful mix of spontaneous prayer, like they come to mind and Paul thanks God for them and then prays for them. And also that he's really intentional, that he sits down and thinks, okay, how can I pray for them? This is a really, verses 9 through 11 are a really intricate uh, prayer, right? This is not a prayer just Paul's like firing off. This is a well thought out intentional prayer. So he's, he's planning out times of prayer and he's planning what to pray and he's just praying for them as they come to mind. So I think this is a beautiful model. We should pray spontaneously as God brings things and people to mind, but we should always also have consistent times of prayer. Um, we studied the Lord's Prayer last fall, so I'm not going to repeat the whole series, but um, one thing I picked up from the book uh, that I read during that series called The Praying Life by Paul Miller was these little index card things that I just keep in my Bible, and I'll have a card for myself. I've got a lot of things on that card. Um, a card for my wife. She has fewer things, and they're mostly Thanksgiving. And uh, I've got a card for my community group, a card for the church, a card for my extended family, a card for each of my kids, right? And this is a way that, that in the morning, I'll just flip through and I'll pray through the cards. But one of the things is that when that's on my mind at the beginning of the day, throughout the day, when God you know, brings them to mind or a situation brings them to mind, I'll in an informed way, be able to pray for them spontaneously as well. And so this is, I think, what Paul is sort of modeling for us. So this is what Paul does. He encourages us and models for us more prayer. So, and this is one of those areas, I think we all just need to come humbly and say, okay, wherever we're praying at, we could probably pray more, right? <laughs> and so rather than thinking, okay, man, I don't know if I could do the 24 hours of prayer thing that I've heard my friend do. No, no, no. It's, it's thinking through, okay, wherever you're at today in this area, think, okay, what would it look like to take one more step? All right, that's, that's what I want us to be thinking for this. Second thing, though, he, more prayer, but also for more love. That, this is the core of his prayer request. Paul reveals what he is praying for intentionally. Verse nine, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Now, the language Paul uses sort of stacks on itself. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound, right? That it would, it would be more and more and more love. And then he adds more and more than that, right? So not just some love, but love abounding, overflowing, and not just overflowing once, but twice, right? It's, it's this, this picture of, of just an explosion, when I was 19, it was the first time I, I had not lived with my parents. I lived with a bunch of single guys when I was in the D.C. area doing an internship. And so just in the course of things, I, I, I needed to wash the dishes. I was the last man, right? You shove everything possible in the dishwasher, and the last person has to, like, start it. So the, sh the short straw fell to me. So I take the soap, and I pour it in the little capsule thing, and I close it, and I just let the dishwasher go. And as I... You know, I'm in the next room, kind of coming back and forth, got some water. I began to notice some bubbles coming out of like the side of the dishwasher. And I thought, man, Gene needs to fix this thing. Like this is, something is wrong with this dishwasher. And I thought, well, I'll just let it go through the cycle, see what happens, right? So I, <laughs> I go and I thought, maybe I should check on it. So I come back and it's like, like a ring of bubbles uh, over like the top and sides and bottom and it is like, while I'm watching it, like, like coming out. It's like a horror film in a sense. 
And I realize, oh no, there's another one of the roommates is here, like upstairs. And so then <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how do I stop the washing machine? And it's just producing more and more bubbles. And so then I like turn it off and open the thing and more bubbles like pour out of the thing. And you obviously tell what I did, right? Instead of using the dishwasher soap, I used the dish soap. And being a 19-year-old guy, I really had no idea that there was a difference between the dishwasher soap and the dish soap. And so when, 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 this, when Paul is talking about your love abounding more and more, that's the kind of picture I get, right? It's just this, like it's just coming out and you can't even stop it. Like you're trying to wipe away the bubbles and it just keeps coming. And, that, and that's what Paul is saying. That's, that's what I want your love to be like. Not just like a little bit, but more and more and more. So it's just overpouring, uh, pouring out over everything. We never get to the point where praying for more love needs to stop. We never get a, a, to a point of sufficient love in this life. Okay, that's enough. That's enough love. Right? Paul is saying, no, no, no. However much you've got, you need more of it. Now, what's interesting is Paul doesn't specify who exactly this love is toward, right? He doesn't give an object to the love. Is it toward God? Is it toward the church? Is it toward the... Uh, the Philippians? And the answer is probably yes to both of those. Paul is, is thinking here of Christian love. And remember how the Old Testament summarizes the law in Exodus. I mean, I'm sorry, in, in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And Leviticus adds that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, later on, affirms that these really are the two great commandments that sum up all the books of the law and all of the prophets. So you could go to the law and prophets in the Old Testament. You could go to this whole, essentially, this whole section of your Bible and say, okay, what does God want me to do, right? And all of that, Jesus says, you can summarize by loving God and loving your neighbor. Now think about that. You can boil all the laws in the Old Testament about sexual immorality down to love God and love your neighbor. You can boil all the prophets' exhortations about helping the poor and defending the fatherless. You can boil all of that down to love God and love your neighbor. You can boil all the laws about social justice and fair business transactions and interest and all of that stuff down to love God and love your neighbor neighbor. This is the heart of the law and the prophets. This is why Paul is saying you can't have enough of this. When, when you grow as a Christian, as your love abounds and overflows into more and more areas of your life, that this is the trajectory of your whole Christian walk. And I do think, though, that in this context in Philippians, there's a particular emphasis on loving one another in the Christian community. And I think we see this, that many of the most fundamental problems in the church are a lack of love. So when new people at the church aren't being brought along and shown hospitality, it's not so much a strategy problem as it is a love problem, right? When people aren't serving or giving or getting involved, it's not always so much a structure problem as it is a love problem. When there's contention and division, 
right? There may be some legitimate controversy or conflict that needs to get resolved, but if it's contentious and divisive and just exploding, it's a love problem, right? It's a love problem. What is our, this has challenged me this week because as we're heading into this new season of the church, I have a long list of things that I think we need to pray for and that I am praying for, right? It's praying for more kids, ministry workers. Lord, help us, give us what we need for that. Lord, sustain us in this area and that area. Lord, help keep us together. And, and all of these many, many prayer requests, but this passage has, has in a way sort of cleared the board for me in my prayer for the church to put, like, if I could write in giant letters over the top of the board, love. What our church fundamentally needs is love for God and for one another. That is what we need, and that should be at the forefront of our prayer for one another. And our, the forefront of our prayer in our own homes and families and relationships, right? What does our spouse fundamentally need? What do our kids fundamentally need? What do our closest friends fundamentally need? If they are in Christ, our prayer at the forefront should be, Lord, let their love abound. Let my love abound more and more. We need more love, but Paul doesn't stop there. He adds something really, really important. He prays for more love with more wisdom. See, what we need is love, but love is not all we need. In Matthew 22, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He repeats that. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. And then he changes the last word and says, and with all of your mind. Now, why is that? No, Jesus isn't just misquoting Deuteronomy. He's emphasizing something. He's emphasizing that love requires your mind. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's, it's thoughtful. That's part of love. And so this is what Paul is echoing when he says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more and more, comma, with knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying for a certain kind of love, a knowledgeable and discerning love. In one commentary, um, Merida and Chan break down the difference between these two words, knowledge and discernment, this way. Knowledge asks the question, what is right? And discernment asks the question, what is best? And we need both of these to inform our love. So with with, we need love with knowledge, and we need to ask what is right. Now, doctors deal with this all the time. We've got some med students in our church. Shout out to the med students. And, and you guys know, when the patients, you know, you're, you're in a meeting with the patient, you discover an issue, and if the patient says, you know, I'd really rather not get a shot, and you're looking at them and you go, well, I think you have got rabies. Um, and, and, the, and the person just says, I know, but I just feel like that's, I feel like that's not what I need right now in my life right now. You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, that is, it. and so you're asking me to love you, and I do love you in a sense, but my love is informed by knowledge and truth. What is actually going to help you? If they're asking, you know, I, got, I think I might have rabies, just give me a cold compress, I'll be fine. Right, that's not loving to act without knowledge in serving that person. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong. We're so glad that you tuned in today to
to Better News Radio for Pastor Ricky's study through the happiest book in the Bible. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that Jesus' joy is filling you up. If you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. We love that we can pray for our listeners, so don't hesitate. That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.